In this episode, I meet with Luminara Florescu at Shepton Mallet Prison. We speak about creative well-being, sacred activism, collaborative art projects and art in unusual spaces. Welcome to Procrastination Station. Let's begin. Luminara, we're here in Shepton Mallet Prison and it's a glorious, beautifully sunshiny day. I mean, I'm looking up there and there's a huge mound of razor wire. And yet, I feel kind of comfortable and peaceful. So, you've done the B-Wing exhibition here as part of Somerset Arts Week. Why have you chosen this place for your next project, Cell Residencies? I keep wanting to come back all the time. You keep, you keep wanting to come back to prison. I do. <laughs> it can be arranged. <laughs> yeah, I'm just really called to the building. I, this, it's just such a fascinating space. It's a unique space. Um, and it's got so much history. It's very, there's a very melancholic feel to it as well. But there's also something, as you said, a very peaceful atmosphere. And something that's been around for such like longer than our lifetimes put together, you know, this is like parts of it, 1600, aren't they? Mm, yeah. So we're, we're looking at a building that has seen a lot of history and seen a lot of changes. In terms of creativity, what kind of things prevent you from starting projects or from starting something creative? I'm just thinking about what Liz said last week in your podcast. Oh, okay, Liz yeah. Williams. Yeah, yeah. Liz. she speaks about emotional labour. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that deeply resonates with me, and and actually listening to Liz really helped me identify that, um, which is something I've been going through recently. And I think, what is it? Why am I not getting into the studio? What what is happening? I think my thing is almost like a forced procrastination. Um, it is, I, I have two children at home, they're teenagers, and I find it sometimes very, very difficult to carve out that time for myself. There's always something going on, and it's, it can get a bit sort of, I know I need to do this, and I need to go in and go into the studio and shut the door and carve out that time, but you kind of put it off, put it off, um, after this, after this, oh, this is happening now, that's happening now, that needs attending to. And I actually find it much easier doing projects I was thinking, why, why is that? And I think because projects take um, some kind of emotional energy from you in a different way. They're mm. often quite structured. You know one step to the next step. What I find really difficult is finding space to, if I sit down to do my own practice, then I know that what I'm going to be asking from myself is to put in a lot of emotional, yeah, think, think, having to have spend a lot of time thinking, reaching sort of quite deep inside myself to find inspiration and and that, and I suppose it's that time of of um peace and quietness and I always think I've got I've got a fantasy fantasy practice <laughs> and the reality of my practice. an alternate reality yeah yes and the fantasy which I have little glimpse of um sometimes when a dear friend of mine she, a couple of times a year, she goes away and she asks me to cat sit in her flat. It's just incredible. And so what I could, the fantasy is getting up and in, in your own time, you know, and, and thinking to yourself, just allowing yourself time to go, right, okay, so 
I'd like to create something. I feel this draw to create something, but what's that going to be? I don't know what that's going to be. Well, let's see what that'll be as the day works out. You know, I'll go, oh, actually, I might have a bath. It's still, it's still like brewing. It's still mm. churning, mm. but I can be with it. I can be with that in that space of stillness with myself and whatever comes and allow to come and then maybe spread out some materials and and then again that that uninterrupted thoughts and and time to just so that's that's ideally fantasy like to work the truth of how i work is actually trying to grab moments or bits and pieces and actually having to be quite hard with myself mm. in saying no you need to carve that out yeah so you're kind of slotting it in to your very busy family life mm. whereas someone like me who doesn't have children I'm procrastinating over different things but I like the fact that you say you need that time you need this not just the space but you from other people but you need the time to brew whatever it is that's being conjured up in your soul or your your, your creative brain or whatever part of you it comes from, I'm still trying to work that one out. Because I think there's a lot of pressure on people who create things, whether it's art, books, music, to suddenly come up with something and to stick to this sort of regimen where you're slogging away like you would with um, you know an office job or an admin job or whatever. So Shirley Jackson, writer always used to say that you're always writing whether you're picking the kids up from school whether you're whether you're cooking the dinner whether you're watching someone walk by or ride by on a bike or you're watching a pair of pigeons sort of doing their mating ritual on the roof you know it's you're always writing and you're putting that into the into the bank yeah i, I guess it's it's the beating yourself up bit that's difficult isn't it yeah yeah, it is. And um, I mean, that really resonates. Yeah, that it, it's not a nine to five job um, at all. Um, and it's and it's how we um, manage that and how we do that with self care as well. It's not always possible, but I've recently sort of tried to set the intention to have weekends off. Mm, that's a real big one. Oh, because I was gosh. thinking I actually timed myself once when I was working for someone else on a writing project, I thought, I'm actually going to time myself to see how long I do actually spend on this. And I worked out, I spent 50 hours in a week just mm. doing that one thing, as well as doing my own writing. And I was beating myself up for thinking, oh, I'm faffing around, not doing very much. But that was a really good experiment to see how much time I was yeah. putting in yeah, to a particular creative project, which wasn't, it wasn't even my project, but we're putting that time in, but it's not a consecutive kind of nine to five job. An email comes in, I need to answer that or a text message, especially if it's on one of the projects from an artist. And I do it, I do it straight away. Some people say, why do you do that straight away? Why don't you? I do it straight away because otherwise everything builds up, builds up and builds up. And then so often I'm doing that in the middle of the day and, and there might be someone, one of the children, or you know, my my husband's or whatever, is asking me something about um, when when's the, you know, I think we'll run out of this and we're shopping and can you help in and it, and you're going, hang on just a minute and it is 
<laughs> multitasking. Multitasking. And sometimes I look at the texts I sent and I go, oh, Lord, look at this. <laughs> <laughs> and I have to apologise, going, sorry, I was multitasking there again. So you um, spend a lot of time, like, kind of apologising yeah, then again. Yeah, and also you feel guilty <laughs> that you have to... Um, I think this is not... I mean, I think this happens if you have children or not, to be honest. I think you feel... There's a thing of feeling that because we don't have that structured nine to five going on, then when the weekend comes, we think, okay, so, you know, everybody else might have downtime now, but I actually, I feel like I need to make up for the, any any bits in the week yeah. that I didn't work yeah. and that I was doing something else instead. Yeah. You know, so that's, it's, it's very, it's a very, very uncomfortable feeling taking like a, a weekend off. <laughs> So when you, I want to talk to you about when you start a new project, how do you come up with the ideas? That's another good question as well. Say that the prison, um, often from people's conversations, so this came from one of my daughter's friends came round for tea this couple of years ago, um, and he was saying that, he was telling us about that he had gone with his dad to um, the ghost tour in the night, Oh, yeah. And he was telling us all about that. Oh, my God, and people actually stay here in the prison yeah. overnight. Yeah, and he was yeah. telling us all about that. And I was fascinated by it. I, said, I didn't even realise that Shepton Prison was here and that it was accessible to the public. And so I thought, well, that, I thought that was great. So I sort of questioned him and sort of said, you know, you know, is it, you know, is it all open to the public? And he was saying yes, and they do this and that. And, and I just thought, gosh, wouldn't that be interesting to have as um, uh, an art space? And we went to um, Somerset Artworks, did a conference, and I went to the seminar on um, you know, finding different, art, like artist collaborations and arts, different art spaces, and the mm. conversation came up there. Um, and I just said, yeah, well, why can't it, well, you know, for example, why does it have to be in a gallery? Why couldn't it be in something like Shepton Mallet Prison? You know, and it all sort of comes from there. Mm. So often from just tiny little bits of conversation, yeah. and it will just, yeah. you know, just sort of fleet. I don't really sort of sit down and think, oh, I want to do a project. Maybe it's more talk, talking to someone will spark an idea or something I see. Because I'm really interested in, like, where inspiration comes from. Mm. Mm. And I think sometimes reading other people's work whether it's a book yep. or you look at a painting or you go somewhere and you you see something, even if you're travelling or in your home or whatever. Yeah, I'm, I'm just really interested, like, as, as an artist, yeah. are you a visual sort of stimulated person or do you get that from text? Yeah, that I, I think more from conversation. And okay. People. Yeah. So auditory. Yeah. Yep. Very auditory. I'd love hearing people's stories, and I like funny stories. As I just love conversation with people, and I find people fascinating, and often something will spark from that. And I'm very into um, sort of psychology and something called process orientated psychology, which is bringing in imagery, if you like. So it's bringing in the subconscious world and almost like shamanism. Mm. Um, working all that and you bring it in uh, into this kind of process of working with yourself but work you know kind of understanding the world and understanding other people and I find that really interesting with people and you know the things that they 
but it may not be every day for them, but something that's sort of special to them, something that's, you know, so you, yeah, usually it is through. So it could be a kind of ritual thing or it could be a ceremony or something that they enact that's personal to them. Mm. Your company, Hearthstone Ways, mm. uh, you talk about that as well as a form of well-being for, for communities and to demystify contemporary art and we've talked a bit about kind of art being something for everybody not just for the elite people who go to galleries or you know who've studied it um do you find collaborations more productive than sort of solitary art creation yeah absolutely i do and and more so more and more with that i mean that's something that came from doing the exhibition here and working with the Shepton Mallet Natural Voice Choir and and I thought uh, with one of my ceremonies and I was like absolutely I want this to continue and I set up the company to specifically focus on that and kind of do this it's this social practice and then what's happened over 2020 and you know the pandemic is everything then uh went online and I was like oh no yeah um, I so had this you immediately idea. cut off yeah. from meeting people but actually it's been fantastic because I've been able to run I've I've um secured funding to run lots and lots of these um kind of sessions workshops online projects if you like and what has come out of that is just for me sometimes it's the, the you know it almost moves me to tears the beauty the the creativity of the people that get involved mm. is amazing. And I love this idea that you can... And it's learning, this is learning a very different way of working as an artist. That you can... It's best to do less. So, so you, can, you have to trust throwing something, an idea out to, to a group of people. That you, if you want to do this, this is how I see a collaboration. It's not about me coming into a group saying, okay, I'm here now to teach you something. Mm. Um, it's just, I'm going to show you a couple of ideas or I'm going to throw a theme at you or here's a load of materials, just throw them down and let's look at that theme. And maybe show, show a few techniques as you go along if people want them or they ask questions, but let it come from them. Mm. And then I'm absolutely amazed what people do. And then that also inspires me. And to me, that feels like a true collaboration. Yeah, you're kind of trusting someone else to do what they need to do rather than being prescriptive about it. Mm. I like that idea. I think that's how that's how I kind of see art is something very personal. And then the response is also personal, isn't it, from the viewer interacting with that art. So we're here in the sea wing of Shepton Mallet Prison, which is the women's, we well, used to be the women's section, didn't it? So yeah. what, what do you reckon it is about old buildings that creates a sense of atmosphere? Oh, that's a good question. Because I was thinking, why am I attracted to the prison? And that to some people that might seem quite bizarre. Yeah, so I think, what is it? Because it's, you know, it is, it's, it's it, quite harrowing, isn't it? Um, and, yeah, I was thinking about it. And I thought, well, I think it's the idea of, of um, 
the huge amount of history and, the, and, and all the people that have passed through and all those personal stories, that's what I find fascinating. Mm. And how they leave an impression on the building. Oh, I think we all are. I think, why, why do people come here? Why do people come to visit empty prisons? <laughs> yeah, why do people? Yeah, why are we, what is that? What, there's something there that we're all curious about. I mean, in this cell, which would have been a solitary person's cell, is one tiny little window at the top there. Well, you're kind of in this echoey chamber, aren't you? In a way, it's kind of a little bit peaceful, which jars with my knowledge of what this room would have been used for to keep someone in. Why, why would I feel peaceful here? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, when I was over in B-Wing, and you know, before the B-Wing exhibition started, and it was time for me to think about what work, you know, all the artists had been organised, and it was time to decide what I was going to do with the space. And I came in one Sunday afternoon on my own, and I knew it would be quiet. But yeah, there was nobody here at all. Uh, nobody, and I thought because I thought well it, it might be a bit creepy there on my own. How am I going to feel about this? Can I stay? How long will I stay? Maybe just ten minutes. Um, I thought well you know a few tourists are bound to come in, a few visitors are bound to come in, and as I just I stayed there for longer and longer and longer, nobody came in, and I was there for about three hours until kicking out time when we were closed. You were totally alone. And as you said, this absolute this peace came over me. And when I went out to the front desk and saying goodbye to the team, I said, I just feel really, really peaceful. And they said, yeah, I know, does that. So um, I'm not sure. There's a thing about the building as well. There's something I found myself caring about the building it's, itself. Mm. Um, so you've said, you have said before, creativity is open to everyone with anti-art as a form of sacred activism. So firstly, what is creative well-being and what is sacred activism? Well, I think creative well-being is like an acknowledgement that creativity does create well-being. And it's quite a trendy phrase that's come up now, creative well-being. And I think it's great because it's bringing creativity more into the mainstream um, arena and open it up to everybody. Mm. Um, and I think that is really, really important. And, and it's kind of acknowledging that this is what creative, creativity can do. It can bring a huge sense of well-being and healing. Um, so that's the creative, creative well-being. Sacred activism, <laughs> it's a, for me it's about so building on that idea of creative well-being that actually taking away any kind of hierarchy in, in our, or elitism. Mm. You know, mm. I mean, I've been in that world. I know what that's like. You know, I've ident identified myself as that. And, and I'm actually, at the moment, I feel in a process of unraveling that for myself mm. as well, kind of really questioning, you know, you know, why are you an artist? Why do you get to call yourself an artist? And what about, you know, postman who does his um, knitting in the evening or his watercolours. Yeah. You know, yeah, 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 and what's yeah. you know, what is that about? Um, 
how do people who feel they're outside of art get involved in something artistic? I don't I want to use a different word from duty, but maybe a calling for artists to open this up and, and allow as much as they can, allow opportunities for people to take part in creativity. And you know, it's one of the re one of the things is getting out of the gallery space. Mm. Because I know lots and lots of people who who wouldn't visit a gallery. Yeah. Because they, they because they think it belongs to some, another class, another type of people, you know, that's not me. But um, one of the reasons of using a building building like this, looking for buildings like this, like the prison and you know, other unusual spaces, is that you're gonna get a real mix of visitors come and not feel so threatened. I mean, they might think that what's going on is completely bizarre, but if the artists are here as well, just asking artists to be, you know, really open to engaging people. Mm. Um, and there's a whole thing of a so being a you know social practice artist. Artist, what does that mean? And I, I and there's also like a community arts, and you know, they, everything is starting to merge, and I think that's quite a good thing. Yeah, not, yeah. not that separation. Yeah, I, I like the fact that art is becoming something that's filtering or sort of seeping out into places where normally people wouldn't expect to find it, like Shepton Bank Prison, <laughs> yeah. or, you know, like the park, or, you know, the pavement, or I've seen artists around Glastonbury that draw on the pavement with chalk as an artist who writes kind of poetry and chalk and it's so transient like it rains and then the ref and then it's gone so it's it's that sort of thing but it's still art isn't it yeah i mean i think children are the best examples i think children are the best artists and i think it was picasso that sort of said you know, I'm paraphrasing here, but we spend, you know, all our adulthood as artists trying to draw back like children, you know, do it. And a good example of that, you've mentioned about Glastonbury people drawing on the pavement. Um, when I was there a couple of months ago, there was one side of the street, there was this um, artist making these absolutely beautiful, intricate mandalas and people were stopping to take photographs. And then the other side of the street, where I was happened to be sitting on a bench, uh, just a few feet away, there were two children, there was a family and two children, and the mum had bought some chalks, a tub of chalks, and they were eating their sandwiches. And the children were obviously mimicking the artists across the road. But they weren't doing mandalas, but they were doing their own little, um, strange little boxes and shapes and swiggly lines. <laughs> and they were so engrossed in it. And I walked up to the family, because you never think it would be, sound a bit like an oddball. And I said, I'm oh, sorry, um, is it okay? I take photographs of your children's work for my Instagram page. <laughs> I didn't want to see the one of the artists. I wasn't interested. That was all the tourists over there sitting. Mum stand in the middle of the mandala, and I was these little squiggly robots they were drawing. But I was watching them, and just the whole kind of expression that they were doing the free-flowing form and it was coming through them rather than of them if you know yeah, what I mean it was just, yeah. and um yeah so I did and I put it on my Instagram and I was like it's great artist and I just I just loved that um and it's kind of saying you know that uh your that is um in some ways it's kind of what they say in Buddhism 
because um, as an artist that's been through all you know the training and things like that I'm actually very envious of people that can do that because it's the beginner's mind and because yeah. I remember that and I remember being so so free before then you get I think it was um, Grayson Perry was talking about how when an artist sits down at their table or in their studio or wherever they go that they it's not as simple as sitting down to do some artwork they're carrying a lot of baggage with them you know a lot of um uh, crit you know, the critiques from from college and your training um the history uh, and it, it's i so i'm very envious of people that don't actually have that and yeah i never thought of it that way because you look up to artists who have learned their trade I guess or gone through the training and think oh that's it must be easier for them but in a, but you're saying well sometimes it's harder because you have to strip away all that knowledge get back to basics is there anything you'd like to or any advice you'd like to give to someone who's who feels like they are an artist and yeah, maybe don't name yourself as an artist because as soon as you do, yeah, that's, that's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> I just say, um, just just do it, just do, just do it, just do something, even if you think it's really silly, or sh and in fact that's that's even better, you know. Just remember your childlike self. I mean, I mean, and if you do have children, um, then maybe get involved with that, you know, doing some crafts with them. If you don't, maybe borrow some. <laughs> Someone. Yeah, there's pens and paper, yeah, there's paints, yeah. freely accessible yeah. to anyone. Do you remember, sort of, like in school when they used to get a toilet roll and, like, chop the bottoms up, the bottom up, and then you could squidge the bottom into some paint and then make, like, flower shapes all over the, oh, all yeah. the little... Things, potato things, like any, anything, just, just do it. And no matter how, you know, I, I have to say, don't try, try not to overthink it. Just have lots of fun. <laughs> That's a great <laughs> advice. I'm going to go and find some potatoes now. <laughs> I think I've got a few. You've been listening to Procrastination Station with me, Polly Hall. You can find out more on pollyhall.co.uk and social media at Polly Hall Writer. Goodbye.